Welcome to the podcast. Today we have a special guest joining us, Ishita Koparapu. Ishita is a rising senior at Hathaway Brown School, a STEM aficionado, and the mastermind behind the amazing nonprofit organization called STEM Power Her. She has recently achieved an incredible milestone, winning fourth place in the cellular and molecular biology category at the International Science and Engineering Fair. Today, we're going to dive deep into Ishita's electrifying journey, fueled by her boundless passion for all things STEM. We're exploring the exhilarating world of science, her incredible organization, STEM Power Her, and the incredible research venture she's embarked on. Thank you so much for joining joining us. Thank you so much for that wonderful intro. I, I think it's the best one yet. <laughs> of course. And with all of the hard work that you've done, you truly deserve it. Um, so could you tell us more about your nonprofit organization, STEM Power Her, and how did this idea come about and what motivated you to start it? Yeah, so STEM Power Her is like my passion project. It's my little baby. And I've been developing it for a year, a little over a year now. Um, and I started it um, out of the passion and love that I had for research and wanting to spread it to uh, young girls just like me who who want to go into STEM or who really want to go into the field of science but don't really know how. Um, so it kind of stems from my love for research that I've been doing for three years. Um, and so I started it one year ago um, from that love and passion for research. And so yeah, so the nonprofit strives to bring young girls into STEM and um, inspires them to come into STEM through the free interactive activities and events that we host um, throughout the year. So uh, recently we just had a three-day camp and it was a huge hit, so I hope to talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, but yeah, so we do a lot of different activities. We touch on all parts of um, STEM. For example, I brought in real tools that we use in our research lab and I let the students like work with them and kind of see and feel them and use them. So that was a really cool experience. Definitely um, interesting because I, I know I didn't have that exposure when I was in sixth, seventh, or eighth grade. So for me to be able to give that to the students, that was really um, enriching and very empowering for me. And that's amazing that you can be the role model because so many girls don't have that. So, I mean, I think it's so amazing that you've taken the initiative to be that um, source of, you know, information for so many young girls. Um, and I would love to hear more about your three-day camp that you recently hosted. Yeah, so um, we had this, this is sort of an annual camp that I'm, I'm planning on doing every year. This was our second year back. Um, so last year, that was the first sort of event that I kickstarted like my organization with. That was the first big event that we hosted. Um, and then this year we came back with it in a three-day model. Last year I had it in a five-day model and we included so many more activities. We were able to host so many more students. Um, I had amazing teacher volunteers who were also high school students wanting to teach young girls and wanting to sort of align with my mission and visit, vision to inspire more girls to come into STEM. So it was really amazing to see all of that blossom in this short three-day period. Um, and I always like to do something that is out of the box, a little bit unorthodox. So for instance, last year, one of the biggest showstopper events that we had sort of to conclude the camp was um, the STEM on the go van, which I've talked about a lot um, in other, you know, forms and formats, but uh, basically this van is equipped with an engineering lab inside of it. 
So it's it's really cool. Um, and so I was able to bring them, I think from North Carolina, they like drove all the way up here and they um, did an activity with the kids and the, the kids got to go inside the van and see the um, different tools that engineers may use, um, you know, laser cutters, woodworking tools, that kind of thing. Uh, and then this year we had a more engineered focus, uh, particularly aerospace engineering. So to finish up the camp, um, we had a speaker from the Women's Air and Space Museum here in Cleveland come and do a really cool um, lunar landing activity with the students. So they had to sort of figure out how they could land on the moon with fake people inside of the uh, inside of the landing. So um, that was really cool as well. So yeah. It sounds awesome. And honestly, if I was a young girl, you know, even now that sounds so uh, tempting to, you know, go and see that. So I think that's so cool. So are there any like specific stories or memories from your three-day camp this year or even last year that kind of stick out to you? Yeah. So there's actually one particular thing that um, I found extremely, extremely inspiring to me. Uh, so there's this one girl that I remember, she told me she had cried the day before coming to the camp um, the morning of, and just like when she got here and I was like, oh, I, I didn't mean it to be like that. It was just that she wasn't told, her mom didn't tell her that she signed up for the camp. And I think that's the case for most students that come to these summer camps. Um, and I remember her telling me just as we were ending the first day, she was like, you know, I, I really didn't wanna be here today. And I, I cried all day yesterday, this morning and, and when I got here, but now I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. And I was, that, that really touched me. I was like, wow, the fact that I was able to do that and, and move someone and, and kind of inspire them to come again and explore STEM even more, that just made me so happy. And I, I think that's like my best success story so far. I love that. And you know, little kids are brutally honest. So yes. how you know, they really mean it. That's honestly amazing. And the van, I, I think that's, I've never heard anything like that. So, you know, kudos to you. That's so cool. Thank you. So, um, you know, I'm sure with your nonprofit organization and, you know, how in-depth in you're going with that, as well as I know you also do research at Case Western Reserve um, on top of high school. Uh, I know that can be a, a challenge for every high school student. So how do you manage your time effectively and ensure that everything runs smoothly? Yeah, so it's definitely a lot of a um, lot of like hard work and, and figuring out what is what is going to happen when because there are certain times you have to prioritize certain things and the three of the things that you just said school research and uh, my organization they're all extremely extremely important and they are what they make like they they make me me so um i have to be very very careful with how i prioritize things and when i do that so for instance when i have finals and midterms obviously school comes first and research and my organization take the back seat but when summer comes up and and that's rolling around it's always research i'm there nine to five eight hours for two and a half months i'm working on my organization all the time. So summer is like that overdrive mode where I get a lot of the prep work and a lot of the things set in stone that I have to do in order for the school year to kind of run smoothly and where I can just rely on that summer work to sort of build upon. And it just makes my life a little easier. Um, but obviously it's never this 50-50 balance. It's always, you're always leaning one side or another side. It's like walking on a tightrope, right? 
um, you're never you're never walking straight. You're always slightly over this way or slightly over that way. So um, it's just figuring out that balance and figuring out how to balance on that tightrope, um, making sure you're not leaning too much on one side. So yeah, I think it's just figuring out what your priorities are and how you want to prioritize that time. Um, and for me, time is the most important thing. So like I have to really, uh, really, really hustle and just go from one thing to the next, which means sometimes I don't get a lot of me time, but I find a lot of uh, myself while I'm doing no research or my working on my organization. So I sort of take that as my break from school or break from stressful things. Uh, and I just think of it like that. So again, training my mind to think that way as well. Of course. Um, you also mentioned that you worked at an uninsured clinic. So I'm sure that also takes up a lot of time. Do you want to uh, talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So I work at an, a local uninsured clinic. And um, for anyone that doesn't know what an uninsured clinic is, this is a place where um, people that don't have insurance or can't afford to go to the big hospitals that uh, typically cost a lot of money um, or, you know, just aren't, it, it's just not accessible to them. They'll come to an uninsured clinic. And I work there. Um, I take care of intake. So I take all the vitals that um, the patient's come up with, um, come into the clinic with, and then I get them ready for the doctor to see. Um, sometimes I'll also scribe. So what that means is that when the doctor is talking to the patient, I will usually write down what the patient and the doctor are saying um, so that when the doctor looks back at the notes, he can he or she can look at the notes and say, oh, right, this is the prescription I need to give, or this is the conclusion we came to, um, and this is the follow-up that needs to be done. So basically, I'm just sort of a doctor's helper in that way. Um, and then we also, we're also starting an internship at the clinic. So I'm working on developing that with the rest of the um, volunteers there and the, and the, you know, doctors and everyone that's working there. Um, and so, yeah, so these are my three main jobs. So I, um, I work there on the weekends and I get to see a lot of patients come in with a lot of different things, which really helps me um, understand a little bit more about health care on, a, I think, a smaller scale versus if you're going to a bigger hospital. Um, sometimes it can be hard to get that interaction. So here I'm actually able to talk to the patients, listen to their stories, connect with them. Uh, whereas if I were to volunteer at a bigger hospital, I would get more of a shadowing experience here. I have a more hands-on role, which I think is extremely enriching, especially to someone in high school who's just starting to figure out what they want to do. And medicine has definitely been one of the things that uh, I find myself like working in in the future. Um, and that has sort of solidified after working at the clinic for sure. So yeah, that's what my work is there. That's great. And I also love how you mentioned how you can, you know, be on a more personal level with the uh, people there. That's a big thing for me too. Yeah. Um, you know, I love just getting to know people. And so I think that's amazing. Uh, and could, do you mind like sharing more experience about your research that you've been doing? Um, I, I would love to hear it. Yeah, sure. So I started working at Case Western Reserve University about um, three summers ago. So this is my third summer there. Um, and essentially, I work in a lab that studies neurodegenerative and neurodevelopmental diseases. So it's related to the brain. Um, and I personally have my own independent project. Um, where I work on studying the brain in a different model. So they're called organoids. And essentially, they allow us to look at the brain um, in a different way versus using like mice, which is what's commonly used to study um, neural development. 
we use uh, we grow these organoids inside the lab and we're actually able to model the brain um, and it, it model the human brain so we don't have to use an animal model and so my project is working on this model and um, sort of seeing how we can improve it to make it a better research model for what our lab's needs are. Um, and then once we're able to do that, I can obviously get a paper out on that and any lab that sees uh, neurodegenerative and neurodevelopmental diseases or the brain is actually able to use this particular um, protocol is what we call it. So the process in which we achieve organoids. And um, yeah, so that is sort of my project in a very, very like bland, bland um, few sentences. No, thank you so much. Um, and also you did a really good job explaining that as someone who has no, not really that much interest or even knowledge and like the nitty gritty, uh, you, you, you described it in a really digestible way. So I think that's great. Um, you know, in all honesty, I don't have that much familiarity with anything STEM related, but I think that sounds so cool. And, you know, it's not every day that you meet someone who's, you know, dealing with things on such a scientific and technical level, especially someone so young. So I think that's so cool. Um, you've also done research work um, that you've done for the ISEF competition. Uh, would you want to share more about that? Yeah, so I presented what I just sort of talked about um, at um, IS ISEF is what they typically say it to is a short form for it. Um, and so, yeah, so I presented sort of a, um, a, a more deeper analysis, obviously, than what I've shared right now and, and talked about the data and everything behind um, my project there. And so, yeah, it was that was definitely a really different experience. I've presented at many competitions and conferences before, but this was so different um, because of the the grandness and the and the magnitude in which we we were all there, um, you know, just meeting so many people from all over the world and and seeing everyone sort of come together, like some of the brightest minds in the entire world just come together in one room. That was just amazing and so awesome to see. Do you have any specific memories from your ISAB competition this year that um, really stuck out to you? Yeah, so um, a few, few I think, instances definitely stuck out to me. Definitely the first one was the first event of the entire conference. It's a week-long conference, so there's something going on all the time, every day. Um, and the first thing that happened, that usually happens, is the pin exchange. So this is where all of the finalists from all over the world get like thrown into a room, basically, with a bunch of food, and they bring pins from their country or state or, you know, like their person like their competition or um you know something that just represents who they are and where they're from and um we all just give each other pins so it's like a it's like an interesting way to get to know each other a little bit meet a few people from all over the world um and and it's just a great way to socialize for a few hours so that was so overwhelming to see that many people it was about like 1500 people in one room um, to see that many people and just talk to them and be like, oh my gosh, you're from like a country all across the world that I've never been to. <laughs> um, and just to see their journey and see how far they've traveled to just be here for a week. That was so amazing. Um, and, then, and, and then later in the week, I remember meeting um, a boy from Palestine and he came here like after like a 30 hour journey. Um, and, you know, Palestine is a very small state it's a very small area and he was able to 
put together a research project and, and discover something so cool. He found um, a way to test the chemicals in the soil um, so that farmers could use that tool and, and figure out what chemical properties are in the soil, which could help them figure out what to plant there. Um, and he had access to absolutely no chemical laboratories, nothing of that kind. He just did it from his house. And um, I actually remember that brought me to tears right then and there. I was, I was just, that was just so inspiring. I, I did cry in front of him. It was so inspiring to see that um, someone took a 30 hour journey to come here uh, to the United States to present that research where he had no, absolutely no, like nothing at all. He, he built it basically out of nothing. And that was just so inspirational. And it made me realize how privileged some people here are um, who have access to amazing researchers, scientists, people that can help guide them. That was just amazing. 100%. That's so cool that you got to, you know, meet all of these people. If you don't mind me asking, where did this event uh, take place? Yeah, so it took place in Dallas, Texas this year. Um, typically, it takes place in like one major city in the United States. So last year it was in Atlanta, Georgia. Next year, it's going to be in LA. So um, yeah, it just switches every year. That's so cool. Um, so uh, you you won fourth place. Do you have any um do you have any you know reflections after the long process of you know researching and anything that you know you would go back and tell yourself prior to you know winning and coming out victorious <laughs> thank you yeah um so ISAF has been a dream of mine since I started high school I really wanted to go there at least once um and even this year it almost happened that I, I couldn't go at all uh and thanks to my parents for making me realize and and see that I have some amazing data that I could compete with um they sort of motivated me to just enter and see what happens and so I got selected obviously which um let me go to ISAF but yeah, I, it was just it. when I think back and I look back at it, like just six, seven months ago, I would have never thought that I could be even there because I because of just the scope of what I thought my research project was. Um, but that sort of changed in six, seven months when I looked back at my data and I and realized I actually had a lot more to talk about. And I do have the scope of being able to actually go there Um and possibly even win something. And so that was just so, so like exciting for me to see my name up on a, on a platform where the entire world, people from all over the world are, are reading. Uh, and that just made me so happy. But uh, in the moment, I was very surprised. I, I did not know that I was going to get called. I was, I was like all crunched up with my head down, eyes closed. And I was just listening to the voice, read out the, read out the names. And I was in shock. Um, I almost like fell. So <laughs> walking up. So yeah, it was definitely an unexpected um, award, but I, I definitely uh, feel like I did my best. So I, I'm really happy and proud of, of the achievement that I've had. And um, I'm also like so proud of you as well. I mean, that's not an easy achievement as well. And, you know, just to understand like the scope of how big the competition is, do you think you could tell us how many students were there, like a rough estimate? Yeah, so I believe it was about 1,800 students um, in total that are finalists, but then there are group projects as well. So it's like a, about 1,600 like group like projects in total. So there are partners and trios as well, but in total, there are like about 1,800 finalists from 70 different countries. That's 
amazing, honestly. I don't think there's like any words that I could say to like sort of, you know, put into words how amazing that is. Mm-hmm. It's speechless, honestly. So um, as a senior in high school who has accomplished so much, do you have any advice for young students who are interested in pursuing a STEM career? And how, you know, how can they get involved or find opportunities to explore their interests? Yeah, I think um, sometimes starting can be the hardest, hardest part. Uh, but once you get started and you build that momentum, it really becomes very easy to just use what you know and, and just ask people. So uh, that's what I did. I, I just asked people and you would be surprised with the amount of, um, you know, love and reception that you get when you just ask for help. So many people are just willing to help a young teenager or even middle schooler just pursue their dreams and give them the opportunity to help them figure out what they want to do in life. Um, And so I think just asking the people around you and just trying to get those experiences. I know when I first started um, and I was interested in becoming a doctor when I was older, I just asked a few doctors that, you know, I I knew through family connections or friends that knew friends that knew friends. And um, so many people were just like, yeah, come shadow. Like, I would love to have you um, just see what, you know, see what a neurologist does or see what a cardiologist does for a week or a day. And so that just asking can be so powerful. So I think starting there for sure. Um, and of course, the internet is at our fingertips. So whatever, you know, whenever you search something, something will always come up. So searching for science internships or STEM scholarships or um, different programs for the summer, that can be really, really helpful as well. And that's a great place to start. Um, And I also think your teachers probably know more than you think they do about all of these different things because they're so involved in the education field. I think asking teachers or counselors um, or like special like elective teachers sometimes in your schools can be very helpful because they're that's their job, right? They're trying to figure out how can we bring more opportunities to the school. So I'm sure they would have come across something that might be helpful to you. So I think starting there is always a great step as well. Thank you so much. That advice is amazing. And um, I, I definitely think to any young people who are watching who, you know, want to get into STEM. And I know like STEM careers can be very daunting. Um, so I, I think that is incredibly useful information. So back to you, what are your future plans and aspirations for after high school? Are there any specific colleges or universities that you're considering to pursue your STEM career? Um, so I don't know of like a like a particular list quite yet. I'm still sort of figuring that out and and sort of getting a feel for what university might suit me. Um, but I definitely know that I want something that has research. I want it to be a research uh, institution because of the love that I found that I had for research. And I really want to continue that in college. So I think definitely universities that have research um, facilities and can let, allow me as an undergraduate student to work in their labs, that would be a huge plus and definitely some kind of hospital system that can allow me to volunteer there, intern there, um, just so I get uh, more healthcare experience while I'm at university as well. So definitely these are two things that I found myself loving doing in high school that um, is a must for me in college. So those two things have to be on my list for sure. (laughs) 
Definitely. Well, all the best with that. I know that, you know, this summer is going to be jam packed with, you know, college prep, but um, really you, you are just so inspirational and I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your talent with the world. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. I loved having you. Uh, So um, to everybody watching, you can come back next Wednesday at eight, where we will be uh, continuing. And Ishita, thank you so much. Um, and have a have a nice day, folks.